Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy, and you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley, and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I love watching scary movies, and so I watch them so that you don't have to. And we got a crazy one for you today that I think you're going to really like. And if you would like to jump straight to that recap, we got timestamps in the episode notes. But first, I got to ask my beautiful co-hosts, did anything scary happen to you guys this week? <sighs> beautiful. That is a tri- wow. That's a triggering word for me right now. Because you guys, <laughs> you guys... <laughs> I I'm gonna maybe blow up one of our advertisers right now. <gasps> oh, but we haven't. We, but they ha- <laughs> Sammy goes. Oh, oh which, little nervous. They haven't been an advertiser with us for a long time, so I feel like it's okay. And I okay. also feel like I really need to like speak my truth. You need to speak your truth. All right. Yeah. That's and honestly, like that's why you, you can trust us. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I don't want anyone to ever think that we don't fully believe in who we're advertising. Anyway. So I had used Nutrafol before, and I thought Uh-oh. that it, I thought that it worked during my first pregnancy when I lost all my hair. I thought it was yeah, helping. Yeah, you did like it. I really, real. I really thought it was helping. Okay, so I started taking it in July because I was like, I'm going to get ahead of this crazy <laughs> hair loss that happens around like month three postpartum. Been mm-hmm. taking it religiously since July. It has done fucking nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's worse mm. this time. It's worse. My hair, I've sh- I, I've lost like 50% of it. It's gone. I got to say, I'm looking at you and, and it's gone. I, I, see, I see more than 50% of your okay. hair. I'm, what do you mean? Wait, all you can see I, is I the front of my head. I guess I'm imagining like a cross section, like you lost the whole backside like of your head. Back? You mean yeah. 50, you're 50% thinner. 50% density. I lost most of it around my crown. So I'm like really bald, like in uh, around my temples. And then I just feel like overall it is significantly less uh, hair happening. It's okay. It's fine. It will grow back. It's no big deal. Yeah, I've I've gone through this rodeo before. Um, there are way worse things to be worried about. But <laughs> I will just say, I spent d- d- so much time thinking that Nutrafol was going to solve my problems. Oh mm. man, it's hard to be let down by a product that's really. It, really I wish hard. products could solve everything in my life. I'm so upset when I can't find a product to solve my problems. Yep. Like, what the hell are products for if not to make my life smooth sailing? <laughs> I know, I know. So, unfortunately for me, hopefully other people have had more success, but it simply didn't work for me, and I felt like. Mm, 
miracles aren't real. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that's tough. God, I'm really sorry. Well, damn. Well, I feel like your hair looks good. I I know that's not. You just saw it. How you are feeling in the flesh? Yeah, she saw it. She I think did. you. I think you look great. Thanks. I love you. And those hormones are just—it's no joke. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Sometimes a product can't fight nature. Mm-hmm. You know, you wish it could. Mm-hmm. You wish it could. They like to tell you it can, but sometimes, sometimes it can't. And I hate to—I hate that for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's scary. Um. Okay, you guys go. Tell me about your weeks. I quit my job. <gasps> scary as hell you were scared I was really scared I was really scared to put in my notice it's a scary thing to do it's I have another job which is why I quit my job and I'm very excited about that but it was very scary to put in my notice and then a scary thing happened that I was not expecting which is that they like tried to negotiate which was not my plan I wasn't like trying to give play it hard with them or whatever <laughs> that's not the right play hardball <laughs> That's the one. Play it, um, play it hard with them. <laughs> play it hard with them. <laughs> Clearly, that's not what I was trying to do. I don't even know what it is. Um, and it it made it really stressful. Like we, I kept having conversations with my managers about like what could you you know what could you want if you were going to stay and what can we do. But I was like, I already have another job. Like, what am I supposed to? I can't have two jobs. I and. I, I, my advice was you should tell them that they have to fire everyone who told you your hair looked better before you dyed <laughs> I, I it brown. I should have made it about the hair. Um, I really should have. It was a little missed opportunity. But it just, it, it felt like, and also, you know, there are a lot of reasons why I left this job. The main one is that I, you know, I, I've been in product development um, in, in denim and I, I've wanted to be in design. That's what I went back to school for. That's what I want to do. I got a design job. Very excited. Um, and But there are other reasons why I left but all of a sudden this week they all went away like it was like how when you're at the end of a relationship all of a sudden your partner is the perfect partner and you're like what what am i thought i wanted to break up with them and it just made me feel so insane that i was like i guess this is a great job and i'm a, a lunatic for trying to leave it and it was really it made me feel really really wild but friday came around and i i stuck to my guns i sat back down i said thank you so much I am leaving, sent in my formal resignation. My last day will be this upcoming Friday. <laughs> it's great. Been a Good wild for week. you. It's, and yeah, I'm really excited. It was the right choice. Thank it you. was the right choice. It was the right choice. But I wasn't, I also was like, why also were they trying so hard to get me to stay? Like, which isn't to say that I don't think I'm good, but I was also like, what, what, what is this? Just let me leave. It was weird. I don't know. Uh, it's a weird experience. What's their turnover like there since you've been there? I just think they probably know that they're not offering good enough. I think they probably know. Uh, and it's hard to fill the spot and it's hard to start over and nobody wants to do that. So yep. I think, yeah, I mean, I get, I, and you know, I'm a fun, I'm a fun hang. So I get that too. Exactly. But, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a new chapter. It's exciting. It's scary. We're going to see. Maybe it was, maybe it's going to totally suck, but. I like to know what's on the other side of things, you know? Yeah. So we're going to try it out. Great. I'm, I'm excited. excited for you. Me too. I want you to be in Thank design. You. I you do were too. Languishing in product development. <laughs> I was <laughs> absolutely <laughs> languishing. <laughs> Wasting away. Um, so we'll see. Maybe I'll be maybe I'll be coming back to myself, which is an exciting thing. Um, Sammy, how's your hair? How's your job? What's going on? <laughs> 
Um, hair is good. Job. What job? You know? Yeah, I love, I love that. <laughs> and yes, correct. And uh, you guys know that I love a man named Keanu Reeves. Mm. Yes. So much that I uh, got a tattoo related to the Matrix that I'm since getting removed. And that's, you know, I feel, not Keanu's I, fault. I feel very guilty about it. It's not about Keanu. And it's not about the Matrix. I still love the Matrix. It's tattoo placement. We don't have to get too much into it. But point is, I love Keanu Reeves and I love him so much. And people know I love him so much that this week I started getting texts because he is filming near my house. And so I got one morning, I'm just sitting on my couch playing my daily hour of phone games, drinking my coffee (laughs) in the morning and get a text. Keanu Reeves is at Mustard Seed Cafe, which is like a 10 minute drive from my house. It's very close. And I got this jolt of, you know, adrenaline, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Do I go over there? And then I just pictured going there (laughs) and was like, I think it might ruin my whole day. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I also think like going to like try to peek at someone filming a thing is like not yeah it's a it's good a, experience it's a blow to your dignity yes it's, a blow <laughs> it's, to your exa- dignity. it's exactly yeah. that and so i, I <laughs> don't want to know that you did it <laughs> I, I i think i would come home and just feel really gross and weird and sad <laughs> and so yeah. i didn't go but then i got more updates throughout the day like oh he's over here now like he w- he was shooting where my Who old apartment it- was I got it from from multiple sources. <laughs> wow. People know I love Keanu. And so yeah. I, yeah. I got a lot of... And he he was out and about this week in the Los Feliz, Silver Lake yep. part of town. So maybe it'll happen naturally. That's what I was going to say. If I great. saw him naturally, great. I'm not about... I, I just don't think that I can get in my car and go look at Keanu Reeves from a distance and then go back home and go about the rest of my day. It just isn't, it just doesn't feel right. You know? No. Yeah. No. I think it's. No. You're like trying to get a picture of him, like zooming in so much on your phone, zooming, it's like zooming. When it's you like try so to take pixelated. A picture of the moon and it's like, exactly. look at this picture of the moon I got. <laughs> <laughs> or fireworks. It just lives on your phone for like two years and then you're like, what the hell is this? I don't need this. God. Or I post it on an Instagram story and everyone's like, what? Who is that? It'd be so embarrassing. Yeah, I think you made the right choice. I really I, do. I do think so as well. Um, but it is a little scary to know that he was around here and I didn't see him. But it's, I think it would have been scarier to see him and then come home I and try so. to pretend like that was just like a normal way to start my day. So <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do it. But yeah, smart. But yeah, uh, getting my tattoo removed and now refusing to go see him in person is just like, do I even like him? <laughs> <laughs> Refusing, refusing to go see him. He invited you and you said no. <sighs> Just really shaking my sense of self uh, yeah, on a, on a hard. Thursday morning, whenever it was. But another scary thing happened to me this week, which is that I watched a pretty spooky movie uh, called Prince of Darkness. Came out in 1987. Mm-hmm. Written and directed by John Carpenter. Ever heard of him? Hoo-hoo. Starring Donald Pleasance, Lisa Blount, Victor Wong, Jameson Parker, and Dennis Dunn. It is available to rent on VOD 
And we have a guest with us today to discuss this freaky film. <laughs> he is a New York Times columnist and host of the podcast Unclear and Present Danger. Jamel Bowie, thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. C can I share something scary? Can I? Can I? Yes. In fact, please. You are, re you are required to. We demand right. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing, it's scary. One thing, uh, Sammy, you reminded me of a time when I walked into a room. It was like a party. And uh, on the couch, this was in the Times office. And on the couch, like the weird, gross couch in the office, um, was <laughs> sitting and having a conversation with someone, Lucy Liu. Oh. oh, on a gross couch? Yeah, on a gross couch. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even picture it. And I had like the I had like like this feeling of just like complete terror. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's like it's your brain doesn't know what to do with it. I'm just like it's it's shattering my sense of reality. Like you're not supposed to be here in person. Right, you're right, supposed to be right. on the other side of a screen. Like you're not you're not really real. Uh -huh. uh, and now all of a sudden, I feel like I'm 14. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -huh. Mm -hmm. I, I'm mm -hmm. a I'm a loser. <laughs> <laughs> if you are real, what the fuck am I? <laughs> but the the scary thing is, I guess this is also job related. I was like, like at a thing, and I was walking to grab a cup of coffee, and I noticed that one of my friends, who's a law professor, was talking to a, a right wing federal judge, who I'm not going to name, um, <gasps> who is an insane person, like genuinely oh. crazy right-wing federal judge and oh. they're chatting and as i walk by my friend goes hey jamel do you want to talk about clarence thomas with us in that voice oh, of kind oh of like, my god in that voice of like help me? yeah help me please oh. join this conversation so i can get out of it uh and oh. then and then i dutifully uh spoke to this right-wing federal judge for like 15 minutes about clarence thomas the whole time trying to oh, be like jesus we're in a non-partisan atmosphere so i'm not gonna say anything to give away that I think Clarence Thomas is bad. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so that was unpleasant. And uh, that's uh, a dip. Yeah, that's a tricky little spot. That is spooky. That is a really spooky. <laughs> it's honestly spooky. What was the right wing federal judge's point of view on Clarence Thomas? Oh, he loves Full him. Support? He, think, he thinks Full he's like, support? yeah, he thinks he's like the greatest, the greatest guy who ever lived. Oh, the man. embodiment of the Constitution. Uh, that's did your did your oh, friend man. slip out of the conversation? Like, five, yeah, like five minutes later. <gasps> wow, and you were stuck for an additional ten minutes. But they had probably already been in it for a while, I guess. So they yeah, were just yeah. like, no, no, please, I mean, she, she deserved to, to get out of there for a bit. She needed to well, get out it, of there. Was it Emily Bazelon? It was not Emily Bazelon. <laughs> you said law professor and she and... Okay, so I have to say, before we truly get into it, Jamel, I'm such a huge fan of yours. I cannot believe you're on our podcast right now. I'm so nervous. I'm Henley, so you're doing, nervous. You're doing great. You, you Thank no, you. No need to be Thank nervous. I wore, I wore my Star Trek Academy, uh, Starfleet Academy hat just to sort of like let people know I'm not a serious person. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, I my first like podcast obsession was Slate Political Gap Fest. Mm. For like ten years, I listened weekly. And you were a frequent guest, obviously. And so I've been listening to you for a long time. And I'm just so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> um, well, Jamal, what's your relationship to horror movies? You know, are you a, a fan? I, I, That's the only question I could think to yeah, ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, 
<laughs> it ends there. I am I am a fan of horror movies, but not in like it's weird. Not in like a lifelong horror fan, but then as I say that, I like flash back to watching like Slumber Party Massacre three at my friend's house when I'm like fourteen. Uh mm-hmm. thirteen actually. Um, so like I've been watching horror movies a long time, but I don't think I'd, I'd ever I'd ever call myself a horror movie fan until relatively recently when yep. I this may have been during the pandemic at some point in the last like five years. I was like, I've never seen all of the Nightmare and Elm Street movies. I've never seen all of the mm. uh, Halloween movies. I've never seen all of the Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. like so on and so forth. So I just mm-hmm. sort of like w- started watching them in a kind of marathon and ended up, you know, knocking out like six or seven of these franchises and came to really appreciate like horror movies um, and really like them and really like kind of the whole thing. So I call myself a horror fan now, but mm-hmm. I'm not like, I'm not someone who has like a, a lifelong love. And although I think I know more than the typical movie watcher, I wouldn't call myself like an expert either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is your favorite of the franchises? I have not watched any of them all the way through yet either so this is inspiring i mm-hmm. so I, I think i think my favorite of like the classic franchises really is the nightmare on elm street series mm-hmm. yeah. um mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. like its average quality is pretty high freddy is just kind of like a great character like i love that guy he's funny he's so funny yeah, <laughs> funny guy. although i do think michael myers is funny personally yeah emily yeah. has a weird thing with michael myers that we're still trying to unpack i don't think he's trying to be but i think he's very funny <laughs> he loves to just <laughs> stand there and look at you his vibe is so funny i, I do think it's really funny in the, the first halloween when he's just like driving in the car and sort of like yeah like like he's just driving like a dude he's, he's just the most <laughs> obvious guy that there's ever been Anyway, um, I get that. No, I, I like Freddy a lot. But then those movies, you know, like the first one is a classic and the third and fourth ones are actually like really good and fun. And the last one um, or the last sort of like proper one, um, A New Nightmare is terrific. And, you know, I don't know. I just I like I like the the cast of actors that, that come back and, and are recurring in the series. And I like all the craziness of it. Um, so Nightmare on Elm Street, but then of like various other franchises, there are things that I, I like quite a bit. So like, I really like Leprechaun in the hood, Ooh. Oh. which is like weirdly <laughs> kind of great. <laughs> okay, okay. It's weirdly sort of like, Hey, if you've watched, uh, uh, Menace to Society or New Jack City, put on Leprechaun in the hood. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, St. Patrick's Day coming up. Yeah. Kinda That's fits. true. I like Hellraiser quite a bit. The rest of the one aren't very good, but I love Hellraiser. I love Hellraiser. I like the Saw movies a lot. That's actually kind of a problem because I frequently say to my kids, you want to play a game? Uh, No, that's not okay. (laughs) That is illegal. (laughs) No, you're allowed. You're allowed. (laughs) Very funny. I have watched the second of the Nightmare on Elm Street, but I stopped there and I've heard the third is really fun. And so I think I'm going to continue that with that one. I'm feeling, I'm feeling inspired. You should go for it. Because I, I feel like I associate, I know the Jason ones go really off the rails and are mostly just bad and not even fun bad, even though the titles are so incredible. Like Jason Takes Manhattan. Like how could that not be a perfect film? Right. But he's like in Manhattan <laughs> for 10 minutes. He's like in Midtown for five minutes. Oh, what a lie. <laughs> it mostly takes place on a boat. And like those five minutes are pretty great. 
it's pretty cool when he's in, in New York, but you know, you're Kinda thinking, like you're thinking, yeah, they said it would be the whole thing, right? Right? You're thinking Jason's gonna be, it's gonna be like you know, uh, on in the West Village. He's gonna be, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta mm-hmm. let him see the city. You know, why, <laughs> it's gonna be like why a, a Law and Order part? episode. <laughs> yeah, put him on the train, get him over to Brooklyn. Like I want to see him going all around. <laughs> I mean, uh, I am a, uh, we call ourselves vessel heads here on the podcast. So him being on a boat is also pretty interesting to me. (laughs) So I don't know. Now I'm confused. Cause yeah, I always assumed that all of the franchises got kind of bad and unwatchable. And I think some of them probably are, but I think there's probably a little bit of merit in all of them. Yeah. There's merit in all of them. And and often I find they start getting... Like in the case of the Friday the Thirteenth, they kind of just it's like repeat doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. until Jason X, the one that's in space, which I actually think is kind of good. Um, people think it's terrible, but I think it's like oh, this is sort of interesting. But a lot of them they end up getting just deeper in their mythologies, which can mm-hmm. be good or bad. Like in the case uh-huh. of yep. Nightmare on Elm Street. It gets really deep into sort of like the mythology of Freddy, and I don't think that's very compelling. Just I don't care about the mythology. I just want to see this kid like I just want to see this guy kill kids. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I want to see him kill teens. So <laughs> whatever you need to do to get me to a point where Freddy's in some teens' dream and he's yeah. like, yeah, you like you like video see. games, and he plays them, and the kid I don't know dies in like a Mario level. Like that is what I want. Yes. Um, yes. Sometimes the mythology kind of becomes so convoluted that I I find it enjoyable in the Saw movies by like Saw 4 or 5. It's just like it's like this hyper melodramatic thing. Uh uh and I think that's I find mm-hmm. that compelling. Yeah, my partner just did a project where he watched all of the Saw movies over the span of like 2 weeks and he really got deep in that whole world and it it sort of took over his brain in an interesting way he and i went and saw saw x or saw 10 together and i was like okay tell me everything i need to know because i had only seen saw one and saw two and it's like oh you don't need to know any of it actually (laughs) watch the movie he like spent a long time telling it to me and then during the movie i was like oh it didn't didn't reference really any of that i mean i think there was like maybe one or two that i didn't catch but Made me laugh. Um, just, I guess, one last on this point. The franchise I'd like to see come back is mm. Final Destination. Yes. yes. Wait, yes. I think it might be. Isn't there, it is. Is, is, is there it, another are, one? Are they doing I think a new there one? might be one in the if works. If it's not confirmed, it's at least rumored because we've had this conversation before. Yes. yes. Final Destination is a perfect franchise. I love and it. And to your point, I just want to see the, the kooky little ways that death is going to Pe- make People being think, flattened by panes of glass. And be like, <laughs> it's going to be this. Just kidding. Nope. It's you're flattened by a pane of glass. Like, that's all I want. Over and over and over again. Absolutely pancaked. Yeah. I think it's coming back. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We love Final Destination. Um, well, Jamel, you picked this movie, Prince of Darkness. Could you tell us your relationship with this movie? What sure. made you choose it? Um, I'm a big John Carpenter fan. Love John Carpenter. Um, that is like a lifelong thing. I remember seeing Escape from New York with my dad. Uh, we rented it at a Blockbuster and watched it. And this is my favorite Carpenter movie. Um, I don't think it's the best John Carpenter movie, uh, uh-huh, but uh-huh. it is my personal favorite. Uh, some of that is because I think that even if it's not like the absolute pinnacle of its work, I feel like it's like the most Carpenter Carpenter movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like I love that. total guerrilla filmmaking, right? Sort of like, you know, we're just in this one building as cheap as I can possibly make it. Uh, yep. Every effect we're going to do in camera. Um 
uh, we're going to have like Carpenter's preoccupation with like strange metaphysical stuff, but also science. It's sort of like all of John Carpenter's like little things in a single movie. Uh, and I really, uh, I really like that. Um, and I also just find it as a, as a kid who uh, grew up uh, very much in church, like I was like a church kid. Um, mm. Anything that's sort of like, hey, maybe demons are real, uh, actually yeah. kind of I find quite spooky. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. we've heard that before from uh, like previous guests that if you're raised with, you know, a religious upbringing, that religious horror tends to yeah, still like, freak never you out. really leaves you. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a very interesting thing. So in, mm-hmm. in this case, you know, demons being a, a vat of goo, of ectoplasm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, that, I'm intrigued. <laughs> 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 uh, that is the manifestation of uh, Satan on Earth, and it drives everyone insane. That that to me is is pretty pretty scary. There's uh, some scary stuff in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I was scared as well. This was my first time seeing it. I hadn't even heard of it. It's the second movie in John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy. So oh. the first is The Thing. So obviously I oh love The Thing had heard of that, seen that. And the third is In the Mouth of Madness, which is one that we get requested a lot. We will be doing eventually. We will be doing. Great, great movie. Great movie. Oh, I'm so glad we're doing this before we do that, because mm-hmm. that's been on our list for a while. Joel really wants to uh, do that with us. Um, and I'm so glad we get to get the middle of the trilogy. Yeah, me too. I'm very glad you picked this, because, yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't even know it existed. I'll, I'll give us some trivia before we get into the recap. This movie has a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, 50% on Metacritic, and a 6.7 on IMDb. Mm. Kind of harsh ratings. I was a little surprised by that. Budget was three million, made fourteen point two million, and this was uh, John Carpenter made this independently after Big Trouble in Little China didn't do well financially. I love Big Trouble in Little China, and he was frustrated working with the studios. So I think, kind of, probably like you were saying, Jamel, this it probably was him just being like, "I'm going to make the movie that I want to make." Yeah, that makes sense why it would feel that. Way, yeah, if yeah. he just did it all his own. It's sort own of. Time. I feel like one of the. I don't. Know, I don't know if he would call this sad. But one of the funny things about his career, and it's sort of like he does one of these small, you know, inexpensive, like really fun movies. They're hits. They make a ton of money, and the studios are like, "Hey, you want you want like real money to make like a big movie?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure." And then he does it, and no one likes. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it does feel like that's an interesting cycle that happened. Like I feel like a similar thing happened with. Um, what, Robert Eggers for um what oh was the Northman the, the Northman yeah where it yep. all of a sudden he had like this huge studio budget and this and it was like oh, I don't feel like it hit the same way right his previous movies money hit. doesn't solve creativity problems well money products don't solve everything <laughs> money doesn't solve everything what the fuck is going on <laughs> I don't know what to believe the promise of capitalism isn't working no, I don't know that can't be no. It. <laughs> So there are a number of actors in this film that John Carpenter had worked with before and continued to work with again, like Donald Pleasance is um, in Halloween and Escape from New York and Dennis Dunn and Victor Wong were both in Big Trouble in Little China. He apparently specifically casted soap opera actors (gasps) um, because they would be accustomed to working very quickly. Um, oh, that's so smart. Able to get a lot done in a very short amount of time. 
Um, and also they're not, they're like seasoned, but they're not really familiar to most people. So if someone like dies on screen, uh, right. it's, it, it's like, it can be surprising. Oh, I love that. That's so smart. I was just listening to Tina Fey on Las Culturistas, and she was saying that uh, their favorite people to have on SNL, the, their favorite hosts, always had a background in soaps because mm. they knew how to give big reactions. They took direction really well, and they were also used to working really fast. This is coming up, man. Interesting. Soap stars. Very cool. Unsung heroes. Unsung heroes of the entertainment world. <laughs> Um, okay, so we, usually we would watch the trailer right now, but this trailer shows the end of the movie. So we're we're going to save that for the end of the um, episode. If you want to watch our trailer reaction, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash TSDW podcast. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into this recap. Do we all feel ready? Prince of Darkness, Satan Slime. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't Satan wait. Slime. Satan Slime. Very ready. Satan Slime also sounds like a beverage, you know? Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From like specifically the the eighties, right, late eighties, right, right, early nineties. Right, right. Satan slime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet. So you get a box of the market's best quality wines, however often you'd like, for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County. And they've been around for 10 years and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker. So you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. We all come home after a long day of work, and what's the first thing we do? We take off our bras because they are uncomfortable and constricting, and we're just ready to get out of them by the end of the day. Well, what if I told you that Skims has changed all that? Skims has done the impossible and created an underwire bra that I actually forget that I'm wearing. I didn't think anybody could do it. You guys obviously know how much I love Skims. 
I have tried many of their other products. I've never been disappointed, but I, yeah, just don't normally love an underwire bra. I prefer a bralette, but I've loved everything else I've gotten so much that I thought, you know what? Why not try an underwire bra from Skims? Let's just see. And they did it. They did it, folks. They created my favorite underwire bra I've ever worn. I have the weightless scoop bra. It has this nice like mesh material that's supportive and comfortable, breathable, but still very sexy. And yeah, like I said, I, I do genuinely forget that I'm wearing it. And that is very rare. I, you know, I'm a broken record over here. I love skims. I love skims. I'm sorry. That's just the, the cold hard truth. I will shout it from the rooftops because I want everybody to know. I want everybody to share in my joy and my comfort. So shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. And if you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you after you place your order, select podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So we begin with a priest dying or seemingly already dead, holding a small chest in his hands. There's a shot of a moon and, you know, a, a John Carpenter score playing. And another priest arrives. This is Donald Pleasance. His character is not given a name. He'll just be referred to as the priest. Mm. And he discovers this uh, other dead priest and finds a little journal with some writing in it. And we see a phrase that says the sleeper awakens. There's a skeleton key inside of this chest that the priest was holding. It's kind of a ominous tone here. Something weird is going on. Yeah. Um, really have to emphasize the score is just sort of going crazy this entire time. <laughs> um, uh, like, I'm, I'm, I think for like the first 25 minutes of this movie, like the score is almost constant. Uh, mm -hmm. The Carpenter, wow. like a pulsating synth, uh, synthesized yeah, score. Yeah, and, and like keys that all of a sudden go like, -lee -lee -lee, right. you know, like a lot, like, <laughs> like a catwalk on the piano sort of vibe. Which does create this sort of like anxiety or sort of like, what is what is actually happening in this movie? But uh, Donald Pleasance, he's he, he, he reading the scroll. Um, the priest who died belonged to something called the Brotherhood of Sleep. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the note brings him to uh, uh, a abandoned parish or monastery or something in Los Angeles where there is something inside, but you don't know what that thing is yet. Um, I believe at this point it sort of we cut to uh, a college campus or something, a university campus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
we see Victor Wong sort of walking, uh, I guess, into his classroom. Uh, there is a the, the camera cuts and shows you some ants with with unusual activity. Yeah, that's str- a lot of a lot of ants. It's grossed me out. A lot of ants behaving strangely. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, perhaps a, a sign of something to come. Um, <laughs> but we are introduced to Victor Wong's uh, or Professor Her- Her- Professor Howard Byrack's uh, physics class. A bunch of physics grad students, all you know, very young, um, uh, pretty good looking, uh, and he is giving a physics lesson. I was trying to comprehend this lesson, which was it didn't work out great for me. <laughs> he's talking, a, he's talking a bit about how our perception of time is not correct, and our logic of the universe is like not what we thought. All very right, you know, scary, he, scary ideas. <laughs> he's alluding. This is this is. I'm, I'm going to reveal myself to be a big nerd. This is um. The 80s are around the time where there are these like breakthroughs being made and sort of like uh, like theoretical physics. And he's describing um, he's describing like a set of theories about the behavior of atoms at the subatomic level. And the idea mm-hmm. basically being sort of like the law of general relativity basically makes sense for everything um, in the in the realm you know of, of larger objects, right? Like sort of. There's a set of rules that are consistent mm-hmm. when it comes to larger objects, larger celestial bodies, that kind of thing. But when you get really into into the, the tiniest things, very small, the subatomic level, all those laws completely break down. Things stop making sense. And so the, the classic example of this is how light can behave as both like a wave and a set of particles. And it's sort of like according to general relativity, this shouldn't really work. Um, but it is a it is a thing that is true, and so there's a lot of a lot of work that's being done in the seventies and eighties and the nineties, basically trying to figure out like why and developing theories to explain why. And so the whole monologue he gives is like an allusion to, to all of that stuff. Yeah, he talked he talked about like how time for us moves in an arrow in one direction. You're born, you age, you die, and yeah, that's not necessarily true at a <laughs> what does he say he says level. fruit rots water oh, goes yeah. downstream <laughs> <laughs> facts just straight up facts that we know yeah uh, i i want to say real quick victor wong an actor who i most recognize from uh the three ninjas uh franchise mm. the, the, the kid the kid power movies from the 90s oh! he, he plays the the uh, Asian grandfather of these three white boys. It's not really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, we were making really interesting choices at that time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I just recognized him from Big Trouble in Little China. Also great. You're just gonna keep saying that I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie. If uh, we leave man. this episode with one thing, it says Sammy likes Big Trouble in Little China. So, uh, uh, Donald Pleasance reaches out to Victor Wong's character and is basically sort of like, "Listen, there's something crazy in this church, and I want you guys to check it out. I want you, your team of phys- a team of physicists to come by and to see what the what is and to study this." Not often seen combo priest reaching out to a scientist. No, no. But this, I, I guess, the movie suggests that uh, Victor Wong, you know, he, he's been in, he's been in dialogue with religious authorities in the past. He's sort of open minded, mm-hmm. and so, and I think they have a prior relationship. So it's sort of like I want I want your physicist to come and help out. And it's at this point that we begin to meet some of the physics students, um, sort of our 
our kind of protagonist is uh, Jameson Parker's character, Brian Marsh. He has a, a great uh, handlebar mustache. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just like, he's just like a, like white guy in the eighties. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty great. standard yeah. white guy. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Pretty yeah. Standard. Uh, we meet, uh, Lisa Blount as Catherine Danforth, sort of like they have a relationship going. There's, so, so I like this movie a lot. It is problematic occasionally. And one problematic okay. point is when, uh, Lisa and Brian are talking, uh, and, um, or Catherine and Brian are talking. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, Brian, says something very sexist and she's like that was very sexist and he's like well that's me certified sexist it's like (laughs) (laughs) this really threw me when you could just write that in a script and be like that's good writing the director would say it and be like that's the problem he says confirmed sexist and proud of it right that's right that's right so that's how that's how he's flirting with her he's like it's clear he has a big crush on her and that's uh, how he's deciding to flirt with her and she like shuts down and he's like, what's the problem? And, and he like <laughs> kind of talks her out of it. And she's like, you're right. Never mind. Yeah, let's go on a date. <laughs> no, it's pretty cool. I, I think it's good. <laughs> oh, very Yikes. strange. But okay, so, but the other the other physics students are Dennis Dunn as Walter Fong, as Susan Blanchard as Kelly, um, and Howard as Susan, and Yen as Lisa, Ken Wright as Lomax, Dirk Blocker. As Mullins. I always love it when I see Dirk mm. Blocker and stuff because it's sort of like, oh, yeah, you're the guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And you have like a, you have like a real oh, career. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's also, what a great name. Great name. Yes. Dirk. Dirk Blocker. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Jesse Lawrence Ferguson is Calder. Uh, Peter Jason as Dr. Leahy. Uh, and then Robert Grasmere, who is the actually the stunt coordinator for the movie, um, as Frank yeah, there's kind of a kind of a lot of people, but they're basically all have different specialties that will come mm. in handy, and we're all investigating whatever's going on in here. So there's a there's a bit of either at the university they're discussing this. The score I got to emphasize is still just like full blast, <laughs> uh, and um, uh, oh. Something to remember. Also, a strange thing happening at this church are the homeless people around it are behaving very weirdly, um, mm. uh, behaving mm. in like unusual ways. So that's something to to that's important. Kind, kind of staring eerily at anyone who comes in and out mm. of the building. Uh, one woman has ants crawling on her face. Yep. <gasps> She's oh. completely unbothered oh. by them. Uh, Alice yeah. Cooper is one of the homeless people. That, yeah, that's really oh. fun. Yeah, that is very fun. There, there is a a conversation between the priest and the professor at one point where he's telling him how the Brotherhood of the Sleep guarded this place. The skeleton key from the chest in the opening opens this door to the basement of this church, and not even he tells him that not even the Vatican knew about this place. Right. This was like a closely guarded secret. Um, the church had been built actually like in the 15th century, you know, Spanish missions and, uh, 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 yeah. So very secret. Everyone gets there, um, and they begin to set up their equipment, um, and they begin to kind of like check out what it is that is this closely guarded secret. And in the basement, in this like eerie room is a large, like person size, cylinder filled with a mysterious green liquid. 
Man, you saying person sized makes me a little nervous <laughs> yeah. about what that liquid started as. Yep. And certainly my first thought would not be, oh, well, that's the devil. Because <laughs> <laughs> green ought to be. Green's seen not it before. Green's not the devil color. He would choose red. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so what the what the students are doing uh, at first is they're trying to decipher the uh, some book. There's like a book full of uh, um, it's in multiple languages. Pleasance shows it to them. It's in Latin. It's in Aramaic. It's in Greek. So they're trying to decipher the book. Uh, they're trying to kind of figure out what exactly this green liquid is. They're trying to date the uh, the material that is on it. They're try- just trying to figure out what the deal is with everything. And they discover a couple of things. The first is that the book has formulas for differential equations, for all kinds of advanced math that shouldn't exist at the point at which the book was written. Like people, humans mm. hadn't figured it out yet. And so they're like, okay, what's going on? The vial, the, the, the large cylinder, it's carbon dated several million years old. So that's also weird. How Why is this thing so old and what else the oh and and uh they they managed to translate some of the the languages and what they discover is that the book is telling the actual story basically of like the beginnings of christianity um which is where (laughs) the movie goes from uh being you know like eerie and spooky to like legitimately crazy so what we learn (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is that Jesus Christ was not some um first century uh first century uh you know poor uh mm-hmm. Jew in what is uh, today Palestine uh, he was an extraterrestrial um oh. who came to earth to warn humanity uh that the anti god uh which is what this cylinder is um was there and would destroy them all uh and he was executed for heresy uh and the religion that grew up grew up basically to sort of conceal the truth of what <gasps> what he was what he was what he was actually teaching to people Whoa! But his, that's like, a real plot twist. That is a real plot twist in Christianity. <laughs> I gotta say, and you, know, yep. you don't get those often. It, no, you everybody do not. pretty much says, "Here's what the deal is," and agrees. Yeah, and but it's his true disciples that have been formed. The like brotherhood. What is it? The brotherhood of the brotherhood of sleep. sleep. Brotherhood of sleep that have been for generations protecting this secret. Whoa! I am loving this. I yeah. am um, into this. To be specific, to be specific. The the green liquid is literally Satan. Yes. Trapped in <laughs> the, the vessel. Anti-god. The anti-god. <laughs> uh, and the liquid is also, as a result, it's sentient. It's a sentient liquid. So this is where they got the idea for flubber. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, in both the... Who, who started the original one? Um, uh, I don't know. Robin Williams is in the... That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. that's all I got. All I got flubber is Robin original. Williams. It's, it's, there's a 1950s Disney movie. No way. Oh, this is going to drive me insane. Is it Fred McMurray? Yep, Fred McMurray. Nice. I did not know that there was an original Flubber. Me neither. 
Uh, I'm trying, what, what else do they learn? They, they, cause they, so yeah, they one, one thing, the, one of them is analyzing the container and she discovers this woman is, is named Susan. She discovers that it can only be opened from the inside because they're worried if it's toxic, should they be taking samples of it? It might be dangerous. And she says, I don't think we have anything to worry about because it can only be opened from the inside. So we're safe from it. Right. We're, to- <laughs> we're totally safe. There's nothing we can work around it without any problems whatsoever. There's not going to be a single thing that causes <laughs> any particular trouble about this cylinder, which I remind you again, is the uh, uh, is actually Satan. Satan is green goo. <laughs> And they've yeah. all agreed. They all they all know that it's Satan. They're they've ke- all agreed. They're kept in the dark for a while, but okay, okay. I feel like they, they know, know something is wrong. Yes, and the 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 priest and the professor definitely know that, and they're being a little cagey about it and saying, you know, like in good time, you'll find out what we're doing here. <laughs> uh huh. But the priest is is. If, very on edge. He keeps saying things like, he's getting stronger. Don't you feel a presence in here? He can't be contained <laughs> anymore. It's been, it happened last month. The earth is acting differently. We're thinking about the ants crawling around in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. So whatever's about to happen is inevitable. And it's uh-huh. we're the only ones here to try to stop it. The the, uh, the last thing in this kind of part of the movie I want to mention is that after the revelation of what um, – of the true story of, you know, uh, Christianity, um, <laughs> uh, Professor uh, Byrak and the priest are, are talking. And this is when the, the notion of the anti-God actually pops up. Professor Byrak says – Suppose what your faith has said is essentially correct. Suppose there is a universal mind controlling everything, a God willing the behavior of every subatomic particle. Well, every particle has an antiparticle, its mirror image, its negative side. Maybe this universal mind resides in the mirror image instead of in our universe as we want it to believe. Maybe he's anti-God, bringing darkness instead of light. This is getting okay. this is getting really real, you guys. That would <laughs> suck if that were true. <laughs> all I can think about is um, God, no God. That's all I can think. I know. About. I thought about that a lot too. God, no God, no God. It's at this point that things start getting hairy for the grad students. Um, uh, one of them, after doing his night's work, decides he's going to leave. He's going to leave and, like, you know, go to sleep somewhere. And he mm-hmm. walks into the alley outside the church. And when he walks out, he sees a pigeon that has been crucified. And he's like, oh! <laughs> I don't know why that really freaks me out. It's pretty freaky. Do you think they crucified a pigeon for real? A lot of times with these like older movies, oh, you, no. you can't tell. I feel like oh, it's probably. possible. I want to. I want to. I want to say that they didn't. I hope that they okay. didn't crucify. I, a pigeon. I really, I really didn't. hope that they didn't. Let's say they did it. Pigeon, pigeons are actually lovely little animals. I'd be, I like be very sad as well. if I they were. You can, pap- you can paper mache a pigeon pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. Paper, mache. paper mache. That feels like the most reasonable <laughs> thing that they probably did. Uh, but he happens upon a crucified pigeon and then he's like, okay, wow, that's weird. Uh, doesn't go, doesn't turn around initially. He's like, let me go investigate this a little more. And at the point he goes to investigate, he looks forward and he sees Alice Cooper uh, walking slowly <laughs> towards him. Alice Cooper picks up that a rusting so bike. Um, that just happens to be there. And then he's like, okay, strange, the, the, the grad student. So he, then he goes to turn around. But when he turns around the other side, there's a bunch of the oddly behaving homeless people behind him, slowly walking towards him. And so he can't go back. So he, he starts to walk forward as Alice Cooper comes toward him. And Alice Cooper 
impales him with the bike and kills him. <gasps> oh, no. I don't know First why the idea of being impaled with something rusty is even worse. It's like it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. You're also, dead. Like, but which ew. part of the bike I know, that's what I, the, is the going into? The bike is like cut in half, so it's like made made into a spear. Like this right. bike was fashioned Ew. to be half bike, half weapon. <laughs> Maybe that's that the before? weapon of choice. Yeah. That might be a good weapon of choice. It can it be your transportation a and a weapon. <laughs> it is a little cumbersome. Yeah. But no one inside knows this happened. They're, they're not aware of this. Nope. So mm. we cut back inside uh, and the team is still um, uh, trying to examine this thing, figure it out. Susan goes down to run some tests. And while she's running tests, she kind of gets a little transfixed by the giant cylinder, the green liquid. And all of a sudden, the green liquid sprays into her mouth, like of its own volition. A (laughs) a jet of it sprays into her mouth. And uh, it turns her into like its thrall. Uh, She's become like taken over by Satan. They're measuring tools. They have like a size seismometer or something. Um, registers uh, a bunch of in- an explo- a bunch of energy that's been that's been self-directed from the the cylinder. Um, <laughs> but they don't know what's going on yet. But Susan is now a thrall of Satan and um Dirk Blocker, who is also down there. The movie I feel like they have Dirk Blocker has like a crush on Susan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's what the movie he's suggests. Always, yeah, because he's like looking for her right now. He's like, anybody seen Susan? Right, right. <laughs> Uh-oh. Susan's pretty cute. Susan's pretty cute, so I can't. She's cute. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but then she kills <laughs> She kills him. <laughs> right, right away. Right away. <laughs> she kills him. Yeah, so that's the moment. That didn't work out. That didn't work uh, out. So, uh, poor, poor, poor Dirk. Uh, he gets his, mm-hmm. neck, his neck broken by uh, Satan Susan. And, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty quick. It's like, it's not like they don't linger, but it's pretty quick and pretty shocking. Cause he's just sort of like uh-huh. looking for her. And then all of a sudden, like break his neck. He's, he's donezo. <gasps> yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. So Susan then goes looking for other people to basically infect. Uh, oh, okay. Lisa, uh, not, not Lisa Blount, but the character Lisa played by Anne Yen, is uh, in uh, one of the in a room, like typing on a computer or something. She's like working. She's like resting because there's like a room with a cot in it. Because this is the middle of the night. They say at one point it's like three thirty. So this is and they're still at the church. Yeah, yes, they have to stay yeah. here. They've been asked to be here all, like all weekend long. They've all brought overnight bags. This is it, important stuff. We're not allowed to go home till this is done. So there's a place for them to s- sleep. And yeah, Lisa's in there taking a little rest. And Uh-oh. Susan, like, very slowly climbs on top of her, and she doesn't, like, react right away, but then there's a, she says, as Susan is right in her face, she goes, excuse me, but, and then Susan just projectile vomits green goo into her mouth. Disgusting. She's Disgusting. like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> but. Being so polite. <laughs> It's very funny to wait until someone is like fully in your face to say, excuse me. Uh, one of the characters, Frank, well, a bunch of them, Frank, Lomax, and um, uh, I think Dennis are outside and they're chatting, they're talking. And Frank is like, I think this is all nonsense. I think we're wasting our time. I'm going to leave. While he's kind of 
standing out. The other two go back inside while he's kind of standing outside, uh, mulling his next decision. A one of the homeless people, homeless woman, grabs uh, a pair of shears. It looks like runs up mm-hmm. to him and stabs him to death. Very violently. So we know that the the homeless people around are also sort of under the thrall of Mm -hmm. the green goo, which I need to correct something. The green goo, the green goo is Satan, not anti-God. And Satan is the son of anti-God. Oh, oh, so Satan is like the Jesus, right? Right. Um, parallel. This is like the okay. the, the goo is like the Antichrist, uh, and then there's there's Got the anti God mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, uh, that exi- that is in this subatomic mirror universe. Mirror universe. This is an important point. Subatomic. Okay. Mirror universe. So Frank okay. is killed. Um, who else gets? And then, like, pretty much in quick succession, a bunch of the grad students get in. Get in, I, I, I'm going to call it infected by Satan. Yeah. Um, which sounds like what happens after you listen to too much heavy metal. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, they've been infected by Satan. They've been absolutely infected by Satan. Right after Frank dies, there is a scene where Walter falls asleep for a moment, and we see a glimpse of this footage that looks grainier and strange of the outside of the church with a cloaked figure coming out of it that we can't quite see and some audio voice saying this is not a dream you are receiving this broadcast as a dream we are transmitting from year one nine and then he wakes up and (sighs) just get a little taste of that yeah. Huh. Um, listeners who uh, are into uh, 90s trip hop will recognize that bit of audio from the beginning mm. of DJ Shadow's introduction. It's like the first mm. thing on the record. Um, mm. I don't know. It does seem like a good good thing to sample. Makes sense that it's out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. It's a great sample. But yes, yeah, so the, the, uh, Walter has this dream and this dream... Like all the survivors start to have this dream. It's a recurring dream for everyone who is n- not yet infected. Mm. So sometimes we're killing people, sometimes we're infecting. Right. Okay. Mullins, Lisa, Calder, Dr. Leahy are all, all get infected. Mm. Uh, and they all start, once infected, they start sort of like either kind of shambling around looking for others to in fact kind of like the the building is kind of big so it's not like not everyone is scared right like this is usually happening they don't necessarily know they don't know that it's going on right right okay and at one point there's a there's a woman named kelly who wants to go lay down and she's talking to Catherine. Catherine is the one uh, that Brian has a crush on from the beginning. And she's looking at the differential equation equations. Her, her specialty seems to be like the kind of math, figuring out these math equations. Uh, Kelly comes in to tell Catherine she's tired. She's going to lay down. This is where she says three 30 in the morning. I got to lay down. Catherine notices a bruise on her arm and she, or we had seen this bruise for a second earlier. Catherine says, what is that? Let me take a look at it. This bruise is now has a clearly like a symbol raised from it as if it's a burn. That's a little mm. curly cross shape that would never be natural in a bruise. And she's like, oh, this uh, it's just a bruise. Like I bumped into something <laughs> earlier and we all just kind of brush that off she's like Clock all right that. go lay down yeah have a good rest <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem unusual to anyone yeah um, <laughs> like, all right 
While while Kelly is resting, um, I'm trying to think of because this is basically where like things really start to pick up. We're like an hour into the movie. There's like not that much left in the movie left, like a half hour left, and things really begin to pick up at this point. Um, uh, We see Lisa typing. Like right. unblinking. That's right. Here are the yeah. There there are two things that happen before everything kind of totally hell completely breaks loose. First is that who who walks in? Who Calder. walks in on Lisa? Calder walks in Mona on Lisa. Lisa. Um, uh, <laughs> and uh, she is typing. Uh, and she's typing. Here, let me find out what she's typing. What she's typing. Uh, and she's typing rapidly, and it says. Uh, uh, you will not be saved by the Holy Ghost. You will not be saved by the God Plutonium. In fact, all caps, you will not be saved. It really made me laugh. In fact, <laughs> you will not be saved. It's basically like <laughs> under, any, under any circumstances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really to cut to the chase, uh, you will not be saved. <laughs> and then they all attack Calder because Calder's walked into this room and... Susan is still in there. Lisa's now infected. So they jump on top of him and Susan kisses him. And the sound effect of this kiss is so disgusting. Kind of sounds like a bong, honestly. It's just like, <laughs> like, like <laughs> bubbling water of just, you know, that there's Satan's fluid being squirted into his in there. mouth. Yeah, but it's a really nasty sound effect. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um. You know, there's, there's, you know, if, if I were, if I were feeling like really pretentious, there's like an argument to make it this movie is like commenting on the AIDS crisis because of all like the kind of the vaguely sexual nature mm-hmm. of like the transmission yep. Yep. of yeah. the fluid and all that stuff. Yep. Um, it's uh, the right time period. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be the right thing. But I don't think that's what's going on here, but it's sort of like, it's thematically resonant. Uh, but mm-hmm. the thing I wanted to mention is that the other crazy thing that happens before hell breaks loose is they're all, they all see Frank out still in the parking lot. They all go look to see what he's doing. And when you, we cut to Frank, he's like bathed in darkness. And then the camera does a zoom and you see like beetles and stuff crawling all over his uh, body. And remember, Frank has ew. been killed. Frank is dead. Yeah, it was like he's, he was the one who got impaled? He got, yeah, he, well, he got, he got the Oh, the shears. Ew, ew, yeah. But then he starts to speak and he says, I've got a message for you and you're not going to like it. And then Brian <laughs> Brian goes, look at his chest. And then uh, Frank opens his chest and then a, a swarm of beetles uh, appears. He Frank says, pray for death. And then his body parts fall off and his head falls off and the entire thing collapses oh, into beetles. Oh, my God. Oh, it's oh a really a very creepy scene but i love pr- he's got this very warbled robotic sounding voice that just goes pray i've got something to tell you and you're not going to like it pray <laughs> I, 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 for <laughs> death i love that line so right. much it's so good so funny <laughs> Just prepare yourselves. It's not good news. You're not going to like it. <laughs> Satan in this movie uh, is very—he's very, very kind of like—he's a little caky, you know. He's like he's uh, cheeky. that fun. tracks with what I would expect from Satan. I feel like he's always having, he's having a little fun. fun. He's trying to have fun. He's yeah. trying to have fun. He's <laughs> a little sticker, that guy. <laughs> a little troublemaker. Is anyone not infected or dead yet? Are they all infected? We have. We are at this point. Our kind of like cast of characters who are not infected are the professor. Not infected, not okay. dead. Um, Brian, not infected. Walter, not infected. The priest, Catherine. Kelly is something's weird going on with Kelly. Thumbs up. 
with her bruise. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, I think that's it. It's like, it's, it's, okay. it's, and it's oh, there's, there's one, one other kind of generic white guy who like doesn't really yeah. talk and he eventually gets Scott up during like, you know. It's hard to keep track of all of them. There are, yeah. there are probably like 10 to 15 people. Right. So. But are, okay. as far as people who are speaking in the movie. Our um, like core group. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Walter ends up in the room with Kelly and um, Lisa and Susan. He first tries to leave and the the homeless people have now like barricaded them in. Like there's a Ooh. there's a moment in which they realize that some shit is going down and they're trying to leave and they've now the doors are they blocked. Okay. They can't leave. So yeah, he runs into that room where they've they've brought the cylinder into now to be near <gasps> Kelly. He cannot get out and so he ends up going into a closet and locking the door. Uh, and but he can still see what's happening. And on the mm. other side, in another room, kind of adjacent, um, Brian and Catherine. Uh, I guess this room is sort of where all their equipment set up. Brian and Catherine are there, and they can kind of talk talk to him. So they're going to try to break the wall so that Walter can get out. And it's during all of this that Walter is telling them what is happening. And what is happening is that the liquid has gone into Kelly, um, and it looks like uh-huh. she's, all of it. All of it. And it looks like she's pregnant. Looks like she's pregnant now, and so it with liquid. The way that it goes in though is through her <laughs> mouth and eyes. It's it's from <gasps> above, from above, like jets down into her facial orifices. It's a really <laughs> upsetting. So now way she's to like the Virgin there. Mary. She's like the Virgin Mary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and and Susan and Lisa are keeping watch over her, keeping watch over this process. Uh, uh, the other, the others are trying to get Walter out. Walter is updating them on what happened. Uh, every, we cut back after a bit, Susan and not Susan, but Kelly is no longer pregnant, but she's developing sores all over her body. Ew. Oh, that's when uh, sores are one of the worst things. Yeah, it's like, pretty gross. It's really we talk a lot about, you know, people getting slashed, people are getting impaled, but to to have a bunch of sores is really upsetting. It almost looks like burns, like chemical burns. I just rewatched Chernobyl, sorry. And Oh no. It was a rewatch? Re- a rewatch of Chernobyl? It's such okay. a good, it's such a good show, Henley. No, it is. When no, you're her, right. Jared Harris, her beloved. Oh, I love Jared Harris, but her skin, yeah, looks like chemical. It's like white and red. She's Ew. almost looking like she's inside out. Yes. She eventually wakens, wakes up. At this point, Walter is like screaming, desperate to get away. Um, she wakes up. They get through to Walter. Susan and Lisa begin to get get to Walter, and so there's a scramble for him to get out. Um, at this point, someone else gets infected, and it's one of the guys who, like, you know, you're, who cares? Yeah, who just, cares? A guy. just a guy. Just a guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, uh, and they fight off Lisa, who they end up throwing through the window. Yep. And she dies. Yeah, they're they're it's just like full out full out fighting hand to hand combat with little spawns of Satan. <laughs> and does the does the Satan and in them well. make them like stronger than they should be, or are they just sort of taken over and still, you know, phys- I, human? I don't think they're necessarily stronger. Okay. Because they seem so to be ta- able to We can take beat them, them down if we try hard. <laughs> right. I think it's sort of like they're 
they're, they're possessed. And so there's, you know, they can, they're probably stronger than they would be in everyday life because there's no sort of like mental right. inhibition. Uh-huh. Fear. Yes. Right. right. They're just going for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we cut to Kelly, who is, she's awake. She is completely covered. And she's like, looks grotesque, like completely covered in sores. She looks down at a mirror and you might be thinking, oh, she sees who she is and she's horrified. No, that's not what's happening. She picks <laughs> up the mirror. She looks at it. She kind of hisses, father, and starts <laughs> to put her hand into the, it's like a makeup mirror. She has to put her hand into it. The mirror starts to glow and her mm-hmm. hand, but doesn't quite fit. And she gets furious and throws it down and begins searching for something. The oh. priest this entire time has been in another room, Lomax, who is um, uh, he, he's the only black character, and he's he's the the, the, the he's a, a tall tall black guy, and he's he he's infected. Um, he cuts his throat after he's infected. This is earlier in the film. <gasps> that one, that one really, because it's not with a knife; it's with a broken chair leg, and it's Ew! small. And he like stabs himself in the neck with a like blunt piece of wood. He's like singing. He's like he's like singing a gospel hymn, and then like does it. Holy shit! That uh. was brutal. Uh, and then he he's passes out, but then he gets back up, still infected, still under the control of Satan, and he's sort of like kind of in this room, I guess, looking for the priest, and the priest is hiding from him. Um, but in this room is a giant mirror. Uh, so there's this Here giant mirror. Lomax is there. Kelly makes her way into here. Brian is I, I fighting just, off one of the other. Yeah. It's just everyone's caught in yeah, everyone's their own little fighting. fights. Brian's fighting off someone. Walter priest just is fought praying. off Lisa. Priest is praying to God. Priest, priest is praying to God. And as Kelly goes to the mirror, it starts to it starts to glow. And she starts to put her hand through it. I should say that at this point, two other characters have had the dream, and the dream is getting progressively mm. more clear what the message is. Um, and the the full message from the dream uh, is that what they are hearing, what they are seeing, is a tachyon transmission um, from the year 199. Uh, you're receiving this broadcast in order to alter the events you are seeing. Our tra- mm. technology is not developed a transmitter uh, strong enough to reach your conscious state of awareness. But this is not a dream. You are seeing what is actually occurring for the purpose of causality violation. And key in this in this sort of grainy footage is the figure emerging from the church is a cloaked. It's a cloaked figure. But anyway, we're back. We're, you know, Kelly's trying to get into this mirror. She's putting her hand in. When she puts her hand in, it's sort of like an ocean of liquid on the other side. And you see another hand begin to reach for hers. And she's mm. hissing, a father. Huge, huge hand. The yeah, other hand, hand is really big. Gigantic. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, uh, uh, and, and, and she clutches it and begins to pull it out, pull this hand out. And it begins to, you begin to see it and it is, it is like a demonic hand that's coming out mm-hmm. of this mirror. Um, pretty, cla- pretty classic Satan hand. So. Right. Do you think they did the thing like that they do in the Lord of the Rings movies where like for that shot, it was like a child holding an, an adult's hand to make it look really big? Oh, I don't know. I love that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I get, I get so magic, excited maybe. when I watch Lord of the Rings and I'm like, that's a little kid. Like, it used to be, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Makes me happy. 
Everyone's fighting. Catherine is running down the hallway. She sees Brian fighting. She runs past this room with Lomax and with Kelly and with the with the um uh, with the mirror. The priest has an axe and he's like trying to. I think he, he he first he tries to like knock out Lomax. He tries to do something and it doesn't work. But he has his axe and Kelly's pulling this demon out this mirror and Brian's fighting. And everyone's struggling, and Catherine, realizing that she's the only one with freedom of action, runs and pushes Kelly through the mirror. She <gasps> falls through the mirror, and then the priest throws the axe at the mirror, breaking it. And we get this, oh. this shot of Kelly anguished, her hand reaching out for the mirror that she can't get back through. Catherine, Catherine, Catherine is, yeah, like... Yeah. On the other side. On the other side. Oh, Catherine's on the other Catherine side. Catherine went through yeah, also. Sorry, I, I get Catherine. So Catherine and Kelly are now on the other side. Her, she pushed and they her. both went through. Yes. A little wow. self-sacrifice. And she can't get back through because they can't smashed it. They can't get back through. No. And then what we see is that for all of the possessed, they kind of just like, they die and like a, like, a, like a puff of breath comes out of their mouth. And that is sort of like the, I guess the spirit of Satan, like leaving their bodies. Um, they're no mm-hmm. longer possessed. The homeless people disperse. They're credit. They're back to normal. Walter just mm. runs out. He doesn't. I feel like doesn't really even talk to anyone. He just beelines. He's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Fair. Show <laughs> respect. Yeah. Yeah. The police show up. The priest and the professor are like, you know, we, we've done it. We've we've stopped this thing. We're successful. Brian is distraught because Catherine is dead, as far as he knows. Um, and that that seems like the end of the movie. Mm. Um, we get it's a resolution at the church, but then we get kind of basically a, a, po- a kind of post credit scene. Um, the first thing is we get the dream again, the transmission, mm. and it's in full. It's a full message, but instead of a cloaked figure coming out of the church, it's someone who looks a lot like Catherine coming out Ooh. of the church. Oh. And the the full year is one nine nine nine. So it's from uh-huh. the future, not the past. Oh. Um, and and you realize at this point that the Brotherhood of Sleep, all the, like for millennia, they've been getting this transmission too. That's the dream they've been having, this transmission. Oh, and that's why it's the Brotherhood of Sleep, right. because they get it while they're asleep. Right. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what you learn, right, is that they did change the future, but not the event, just who would be the vessel. Okay. Brian okay. wakes up. He looks to his side and he sees what appears to be Catherine as sort of like the sore covered vessel of Satan. Oh, no. Then he wakes up again. It's a double dream. Pretty good jump scare, too. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good jump scare. He wakes up again and he looks at a mirror and then he reaches his hand out to the mirror and cut the black. Movie over. It's like oh a my God. like an inception ending, like just before he touches the mirror. So we don't know, you don't if know. this portal is open. Great ending. But there's another third movie. We need to do a mouth of what is it? Mouth of madness in the in mouth, the of, mouth madness. of madness. Yeah. We need to do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Well, they're not they're not like direct sequels. They're just like thematic. Cause the thing this isn't a sequel to the thing. Right. They're sure, just sure, sure. a thematic trilogy. Yeah, the idea is like each one of these movies is how the end of the world begins. Mm, I love that. The, the Apocalypse Trilogy. Oh, that's fucking cool. Man, John Carpenter is so cool. He rules. He rules. He really rules. <laughs> like, it's really, man, 
I want him to make another movie, really but he cool. seems very happy right now, like playing Xbox and making music. Yeah, good for, like, good good for, for him, him, honestly. He doesn't he doesn't owe it to us. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> but I love this concept of everyone dreaming the same dream. That is so eerie and spooky. And I would like to see that more in other horror movies. Well, just like it's just dream scenario. It wasn't a horror movie, but the Nicolas Cage movie where everyone has dreams of Nicolas Cage. But yeah, it is a very scary concept. And I'm surprised it hasn't been done more. Maybe it will. We talk be about now. our dreams all the time. I was and imagine say, if they started to be the exact same. Give, imagine we, if we should were keep every night. talking about our dreams you, just, just in, in case. Just in case. Just in case. How do you know if you don't share it? Especially since <laughs> the, it's, it's sort of like it, because the movie doesn't totally spell out for you like the implications of the dream. It's sort of it's, it's it kind of lets you figure out what is actually happening. It is like really weird and eerie to think that sort of like yeah for 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 mo- for much of human history. People been having this dream that just did not make any sense to them. Uh, yes. And, and for the first group of people for whom it possibly could make sense, too late. Can't do anything too about late. it. <laughs> yes. You know, I, I don't think I've ever had a dream that in the dream, I've had dreams where I've realized it was a dream, but I, okay, if any of us, I'm just gonna say this now, if any of us ever have a dream where in the dream, we are told, this isn't a dream, this is for real, just tell somebody. <laughs> <laughs> just let somebody know. And anybody. Just in case. Just Listen, tell someone. I know you're not gonna believe that this is real, but trust me. But, but just, it's real. You know, I just, when you wake up, tell someone. Tell someone. And just, if that happens, what do you have to lose by telling someone? You know, I just, all I'm saying is just, True. Have you guys had have you guys had dreams where you woke up in the dream? Yes. Oh yeah. That is the worst. That is the worst. I hate that. I hate that, that is that. the my, worst feeling. My least to favorite wake up in a dream. is when I wake up and I'm still dreaming, but I'm in my bed, like in the normal place, and I'm like trying to move my body, but oh, I'm still uh, asleep. Yes. But I'm like sleep paralysis. Yeah, it's like a sleep paralysis, but it's not necessarily scary. It's just like very frustrating. I'm like, but I'm mm-hmm. awake and I'm trying to get up and then I'm not awake. Mm-hmm. So I don't, happening I don't really too. remember any of my dreams. You okay. know, I often don't remember mine either. I go through phases. I'm, sa- I'm sad about that. I really want to cultivate that more in my life. I want to be able to remember my dreams. I don't know how you cultivate it. I mean, I guess maybe you can, but I mean, I how frustrating too, if you're like, what God essentially who do we think is transmitting these dreams and your, your person wakes up and they're like I guess I didn't really dream last night it's like God, no <laughs> <laughs> it was really important why won't God speak to me God's like I keep, I keep, I keep sending you messages God, what am I supposed to do stop leaving me on red <laughs> uh, I wanted to say real quick with the dream sequences in this movie um, so they're, they're in this they're in this like fuzzy kind of like CVTV uh, kind mm-hmm. of thing and the way they did it is they just filmed it regularly, then like played it on a VHS, and then filmed that on like a on like so a, smart. So, and what's cool is that like you could very clearly see that is sort of like the origin of like found footage. It's it's, it's a very found mm. footage effect. Yes, and Ooh. I feel like that is like the beginning point of like the found footage technique in a film. Because I I, wow. I can't recall cool. seeing it in anything prior to Print of Darkness. And I always find found footage films very scary. There is yeah, something scary about that. Yeah, we could give that to Carpenter. That. Damn. We owe him a lot. We owe him a lot. I was wondering, there is a moment in the film where one of them says, like, we just need to cover this building with concrete and never come in here again. 
And I kind of think that might have worked. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> because it, we find out that it needed a, a vessel of some sort. And so they're all like, no, that'll never work. Like, we need to make sure this doesn't happen. And it's just by them being there as human bodies that they ensure that it does happen. So should have mm, listened yeah. to that guy. Yeah. Mm. Damn. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> Man, that was good. Jamel, will you let our listeners know where they can find you and what you've got going on? Sure. Um, so my day job uh, is a columnist in the New York Times. So you can find me if you subscribe at the Times, usually uh, every Tuesday and Friday I have a column and I have a Saturday newsletter. Um, if you don't read the Times for whatever reason, it doesn't bother me, but <laughs> I get it. I get it. Um, then you can find me. I have a podcast with my friend John Gans, who's an author. Um, it's called Unclear and Present Danger, where we watch the political and military thrillers of the cold of the post-Cold War period of the 90s, basically. And we Ooh. talk about them and kind of situate them historically. Uh, and we have a Patreon where we do that for the movies of the Cold War. And I think the last thing we did for the Patreon was the Odessa file, um, uh, which is a um, – what's his name? Angelina Jolie's dad. John Voight movie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, about sort of like secret Nazis in 60s Germany. And then for the main feed, uh, the last movie we did was The Substitute, <laughs> which is with uh, uh, I can't, Tom Berenger. And ba- if you've never seen The Substitute, the best way I can describe it is like lean on me, except the teacher beats the shit out of the kids. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Compelling stuff. All Compelling right. stuff. I can see how that got made. I mean, that's a rock solid pitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's where you can find me, those two places. And I'm on, like, you know, I'm on TikTok and. I watch a lot of Jamel's TikTok videos. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Henley does love you. TikTok. Henley does love TikTok. And they're informative. They're actually informative and useful TikTok videos. So unlike 90% of my TikTok feed. So got to get the information somewhere. Thank you. Um, well, thank you for watching uh, my TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> so they're mostly informative. Some of, them, some of them are me watching people like butcher chickens and I'm just like, you know, grading it. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. <laughs> it's kind of a, that sounds fun. It's kind of a bit. <laughs> that does sound fun. Uh, yeah, so that's where you can find me. Great. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I will also say that I follow Jamel on Letterboxd, so he didn't throw that out there, but... Yeah, I am on Letterboxd. Sometimes I write, like, real reviews of stuff. Sometimes I write things like, I think I saw Porco uh, Rosso, the Miyazaki film, and I think my review was, I love the pig man. Yep. Mm. Great. So... That's all we need. That's what Letterboxd is for, to be honest. Those are most of my reviews. I reviewed, um... Princess Mononoke. Oh, okay. Mm. And my review of that was just that the the little deer friend is my best friend. It's like he's my best friend. I love. Oh, him. I love the deer. Oh. <laughs> when, whenever the deer, whenever the deer got hurt, I got so worried. Yes, I'm like he's my best friend. Please, I love. Him. Don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. I love him. <laughs> wow. What a real treat. This was a great time. This was very mm-hmm. fun. We don't always get a great time. And no, we do not. <laughs> no, we do really not. It's really nice when we do. <laughs> I'm surprised you guys had it, had, didn't, don't feel emptiness and dread after this. this I really don't. Honestly, I don't. think just because like Carpenter rules. Like, yeah. I can, like I can just like picture what this, what, like it's just, I'm like kind of amped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. So it's like, an, great. yeah. Yeah. I, I'll say, unlike the, on sort of like, 
scariest John Carpenter's, I think In the Mouth of Madness is probably scarier. Yeah. Okay. I find the thing uh, utterly terrifying. Like, I love that movie. But I remember the first time I I saw it and I was like, this is... These are some of the most grotesque things I've ever witnessed in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the fact that it's dogs is like, we don't want that. We don't want that. Right. Right. Don't ruin dogs. Don't make it dogs. (laughs) He has an amazing hat in that, right? Isn't that really big hat? Yeah. The hat is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good big hat can save save any movie. The the director's commentary that Kurt Russell does with John Carpenter, they he says, Joel and I say it to each other all the time. Kind of a kind of a scene about a hat. (laughs) (laughs) Just really just love the hat. (sighs) Ah. Okay, Jamal. Thank you so much for joining us. This was very fun. We end every episode with voice from the movie. I will close this out with the warbly Frank Bugman voice. Bugman. Which is impossible to do. It's like a robotic voice, but I'm going to do my version of it. Okay. Great. So from all of us here at Too Scary Didn't Watch, pray for death. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, my friends, for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you had fun hanging with us, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at TSDW Podcast. And if you're interested in things like bonus episodes, video, trailer reactions, and other cool content, head on over to patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast. All right, we love you all forever and ever, starting a while ago and continuing into eternity. Adios. That was a HeadGum Podcast.